Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. To another episode of Halitech Hall. How are you doing, Mr. Halitech? Having, having a great morning? Uh, I am having a great morning, Double A. Uh, how is your morning going? <laughs> uh, you know, we're hanging in there. We're doing fine. Um, everything should be uh, looking up from here. So awesome. uh, what's, what's on the docket today, sir? Hey, we got a lot of great things to talk about. Uh, we have a winner. We have a winner for the, the Minnesota Vikings tickets, which we'll announce here shortly. We're going to talk about uh, our final last words about the Denver game. I know that a lot of people have been uh, analyzing this uh, particular game uh, to death. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what to expect for the game this Monday night against Washington. And then our history segment we're going to go back and look at the rivalry that was the Redskins and and uh, and the Bears. They played a lot early on, and then when the divisions started to come out in the 60s, we haven't played them that all that often ever since. But uh, they were in four championship games. Uh, they've been in three uh, in the uh, uh, Super Bowl era. They've been in three different playoff games. So we'll talk a little bit about that and maybe the, the most exciting Bears-Redskins game I have ever witnessed. So uh, I think the first thing we should do is congratulate our winner of our, our Bears-Vikings tickets. That game is going to be played on September 29th, and, and uh, over the next day or so, uh, we'll be emailing out those tickets. Carolyn Mazurkowitz in the Chicagoland area, she's a big Bears fan. She's a big White Sox fan, and according to her Twitter profile, she's a big whiskey fan. So there's there's a lot to love about Carolyn, and uh, uh, ironically, her, both her and her husband sent in entries, and Carolyn was the lucky winner. So congratulations, Carolyn. Uh, I will be at the game. I don't know, if Aaron, if you're going to be at the game, so I'm definitely going to try to stop by and say hello. Uh, I will not be at the game, but definitely congratulations to uh... – to her and her husband. I mean, I hope she takes her husband. <laughs> I, I, I hope so, because they doubled their chances to try to right. get to the game. Right. So smart. Uh, smart. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty smart. I want to thank everybody who participated and sent entries into Hall at gmail.com. And I want to thank our sponsor, TickSplits.com, for providing the tickets. Uh, should be a hell of a game. So, obviously, that's the next uh, game after after this weekend's game against Washington. So uh, hopefully 
the Bears will be two and one. Hopefully, Minnesota can't be any any better than two and one because they lost against Green Bay when when Kirk Cousins decided to throw that ball game away late in the second half. But uh, it is what it is. So, Carolyn, congratulations once again. I'm looking forward to meeting you and whoever you take to the game on the 29th. Uh, I will definitely stop by and say hello. So, that said, uh, what a game, huh? On this yeah. past Sunday. Unbelievable. I mean, just uh, kind of a kind of a rough game to watch for most of it, but then the ending was uh, absolutely just crazy. I mean, crazy, crazy game to watch at the end. It, it was. When we were talking about this game uh, last week, and if you take a look around Bears Twitter, one of the things we all talked about was was how Fangio was going to play his defense against mm-hmm. the Bears. And one of the things that he did was he manned up his best corner against Allen Robinson, and he had a safety over the top almost every time. So um, Trubisky's got to learn to spread this ball around because, yeah. uh, you know, unfortunately, when you take a look at receiving uh after Robinson, Robinson had seven targets, but he only caught four balls. But, you know, obviously that 25-yard crucial catch at the end of the game was uh, was of utmost importance. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Cohen had five targets, but he only caught two. He had another just flat-out drop. So he has been hit right between the two and the nine twice now in consecutive games. Uh, won each game and, and just flat out dropped the ball. So I, I don't know what's I don't know what's going on with him. But when you when you look at Anthony Miller was only targeted one time and it was a short pass for two yards. Uh, David Montgomery was only targeted three times. Burton was only targeted three times. Uh, he only gained five yards on two receptions. So the ball's not going downfield. We got to get the ball. We've got to push the ball downfield. And when we talk about the matchup uh, a little bit later about the Washington Redskins, this is definitely going to be the game to to, to try to do that. But uh, they try to keep it close to the vents. They obviously ran the ball a lot more than they did before. Uh, uh, David Montgomery uh, carried the ball for eight, 18 times, but he only had 62 yards. His long was was 12, uh, and of course he's the uh, the only touchdown that the Bears have scored in in two games. So they definitely played it close to the best, I think. And of course I haven't talked to Nagy, I haven't talked to Helfrich, uh, but from just from a, a more than casual, uh, let's say a diehard fan's perspective, the game plan was obvious. They wanted to control. The line of scrimmage. They wanted to control time of possession. They wanted to keep their defense as fresh as they possibly could up in the, the conditions that were in Denver with the high altitude, the high humidity, and the high temperatures. And it almost worked to perfection. Uh, it was obvious to everybody watching the game that, that the defense was absolutely gassed at the end of that game. And and as it turned out, it's probably a good thing that Denver went for two points 
because it forced the game to end at the end of regulation, regardless of who would win. Because I guarantee you, just like in Miami, if that game goes to overtime, there's no way our defense is going to survive on that field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, I was I was overall pleased with the fact that they ran the ball as much as they did. Unfortunately, um, the the you know the success of it was not was not particularly great. Um, so you know that that was what was kind of uh, kind of frustrating. Uh, you know, the pass blocking was definitely improved, um, but uh, you know it it was. Uh, you know, it, they didn't give up any sacks. That was nice to see. Um, you know, but they really were not getting any kind of a push uh, in the run game. Um, you know, whatsoever. Um, so that was that was kind of brutal um, to see. Uh, the the offensive line still looks really not very cohesive. I think it was good to have Trey Burton back. He definitely um, had some some effectiveness in the in the blocking schemes. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think it, it was definitely not Fangio like to, 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 uh, usually he keeps his best corner like he did with Fuller on one side and he did does not do that where he puts, but I mean, basically everybody knows that, uh, you know, Mitch is, <laughs> Mitch only has one receiver right now and it's Allen Robinson. So I think he made a good choice of putting uh, Harris on him and just leaving him on him. Um, and you're right. I don't think Mitch really uh, recognized that. I think, you know, there were some things, you know, there weren't a lot of open receivers, but there were some um, open receivers uh, for sure that Mitch missed. And I think there was a couple times where he took some shots uh, downfield, uh, one to Cohen where the defender made a really good play to break it up on uh, actually a pretty good throw. Um, and then another one to Montgomery, um, which was, uh, I don't know how open it was, but it was not a good throw at all. And then the one to Gabriel on the left side where Gabriel was pretty much wide open and Mitch just threw it four feet over his head. Um, you know, so he, he, I don't know. He's not, he's not trusting what he's seeing. He's not seeing things. He's, it's just, it's just a mess. I mean, you, you know, I, I listened to, uh, Joniak and, uh, Joniak's podcast on the bears, um, radio and, you know, they were talking, they talked to a Nagy and Tabor, uh, you know, and Nagy was just basically saying that they need to rediscover their identity. Um, you know, and they're not the same team as last year and this and that. And I just was like, what are you talking about? Like you have the same players, you have the same offense. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was Mitch is in two Oh two Mitch has progressed. Mitch knows the offense as well as I do. And now it's, well, he and he said this. He said we may not find our offensive identity until week six or seven. I was like, okay, that seems weird. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm glad that he showed that he can run the ball. Um, but it's but it, it looked to me like Mitch is not confident. Nagy's not confident in Mitch, and um, you know, that's where we're at. It, it's and thank God we got the win. I would say that you know the biggest takeaway from that game. Other than the excitement of the win, which was great, it's that you know we got a kicker. I mean, this kid looks kid looks confident, looks good. He made big kicks, and you know he you know that kick at the end was uh, was unbelievable. And so at least you know at least now Nagy has 
can have faith in his kicker. And uh, Pat O'Donnell had a great game. Uh, Joniak said that it's it's a Bears record for average uh, punt uh, distance um, of uh, because he had that 75-yard punt. Um, so now now you can put uh, Pat O'Donnell in the record books as the um, punter with the uh, highest uh, game average of punts, which is kind of an arcane stat, but sort of interesting. So, <laughs> I mean, my big my biggest thing is that if we were 0 and 2, this would be a, a dumpster fire. Like it's already bad on sports radio and, and on Twitter. If we came back, if we were 0 and 2 right now with another long week awaiting a Monday night game, I just I can't even imagine. Like it, it, they really, I think that Pinero really saved the season, <laughs> which is kind of might be overstating it, but it's pretty close. How how ironic that just two weeks prior to this, we didn't know what we had in a kicker, and now he's the savior of the season, at least so far. <laughs> exactly. Let's go back to something you said about the podcast of Jeff Joniak with Nagy and, uh, and Tabor. And this is something that I have talked about on my own Twitter page and, and on the Hall's Twitter page. I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that over one postseason game, 18 regular season games, uh, 16 of which have been quarterbacked by Trubisky, we're still searching for an identity. It makes no sense whatsoever. In the preseason, we talked about, or we heard Nagy talk about whittling down the playbook uh, to to find the plays that that he likes and the plays that Trubisky likes. And let's go back to two games last year. The two games I want to talk about last year, the Tampa game and the Jets game. Well, let's make it three games. The the game at home against the Lions. There were some great passes thrown in those games, particularly the Lions game and the Tampa game. And – if I had a chance to sit down with Helfrich or Nagy and ask them a couple of questions, the first one would be, let's go back to the Tampa game. They ran a passing formation with with three receivers to one side of the line of scrimmage, and the two outside receivers ran deep post patterns, and the interior receiver ran a, a wheel route behind the, the two guys that were on the outside that ran the deep post patterns. It, every single time, that receiver was wide open. Uh, Cohen, had, I believe, had a touchdown in the Tampa game. The first touchdown to Trey Burton was, uh, was that particular pass play, and they were wide open. Uh, Allen Robinson, in the middle of the field, is, was wide open against Detroit. Uh, he got one-on-one coverage uh, when they forced the, the defense in Detroit, and that's when he had the great back shoulder catch in the end zone for a touchdown. And we're not seeing those pass plays. We're not. The pass, the very first play against Green Bay last year, the, uh, the straight T formation where they ran to the left, they ran seven yards. It was a great play. Never saw it again all year. The modified T formation that they ran the very first play against Green Bay this year was blocked 
perfectly. Go back to the All-22 if you've got it, guys and ladies. Go back to the All-22 and take a look at that 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 play. Had it not been for the fumble, that easily go, could have gone for anywhere from 10 yards to 50 yards and gone to the house for a touchdown. We haven't seen it since. It makes no sense to listen to what Nagy has been saying about simplifying the playbook uh, and running the, the plays that, that Nagy and Trubisky like, and then we don't see them. That just was, it's just driving me batty. Uh, in particular, uh, those plays that I've been talking about uh, with the, uh, the trip formations, I can't recall seeing it run three more times since that Tampa game. Three times. And now it's, what, 16, 17 games? And we haven't seen that pass pattern run at all. We saw a lot of wheel routes from Tariq Cohen towards the end of last year, in particular that Giants game, where he was wide open. Uh, If you can get Tariq Cohen on a linebacker, we should have a win there. And with the way they're doing things, it's absolutely counterproductive to what Nagy talked about earlier in the season. What I'm talking about is this. They ran 32 different personnel positions or, or plays uh, where every, the lineup was completely different against Green Bay, and I believe the number was 33 this past game. I'm tired of the gimmicks. Let's play football. Let's run what works. If it's working, keep playing it, keep running it until they stop it. That's one of the age-old rules in all of offense. If you find a play that's working, run it until the defense can stop it. If they can't stop it, keep running it. And that's my biggest concern with this team so far after two weeks. Yeah, I would totally agree with what you just said. I think um, what's frustrating is that the defenses, I mean, and and I'm hoping that what we're looking at is week one, we have a defensive coordinator who's very familiar with this team from playing them, you know, a couple times last year. And you have Adrian Amos, who I'm sure, you know, as they say, knows where all the bones are buried and gave them lots of information, including, you know, was able to to diagnose that play in the end zone that he picked off. And then you have Fangio, who knows more about Mitch Trubisky probably than Nagy does because he was with him, with him in his rookie year. Um, but what's happening is that these defenses are playing zone and they're blitzing off of the zone and they're confusing the hell out of Mitch because he's not recognizing that, you know, he's trying to come up and count the box for the RPO, but they're confusing him because, you know, they're coming there. Guys are coming up into the box and then dropping back into coverage or they're dropping back into a cover two or they're coming on blitzes. And, you know, he's not there. I don't know what they can run that's going to work. But the one thing and I've heard a lot of people say this is why don't they run any slants? Why don't they run any, you know, kind of simple stuff to get him going? Um Everything still seems, like you said, just sort of unnecessarily complicated. And, you know, the only things that worked were some of these reverses. And you obviously had the great run by Corderell, and then you had a a nice one from Taylor Gabriel. 
but again, it you know, it just seems like, you know, the same thing happens with with uh, the Packers when we you know do certain things against them and we're in the pass rush is getting what do they do? They go quick and they start throwing slants. I don't understand why we can't do that to people. Now, the the, the offensive line did a great job neutralizing Miller and Chubb, and they had no sacks given up. But still, I just feel like you know what teams are doing is they're they're rushing on the edge and they're keeping Mitch in the pocket, and you know they're confusing him, and he's not able. Unfortunately, he's not able to drop the ball in where he needs to over these zones. And um, that's what's going on. And he's especially not able to do it to guys like Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen, who are too short. So, you know, that's another thing that confuses me. It's like you're going to do all these different personnel groupings, but you don't get Miller on the field barely. And supposedly the reason that Wims made the team is because he's this big target. So put Wims in the game, put him in in the slot and run a damn slant to this big target, you know, like it's, it's, it's just like Nagy is, is so in love with his own playbook and Helfrich too, that it's like, they're just going to force it. And I, I mean, and, and thank God in the Denver game, you know, they had the wherewithal to run the ball as much as they did and that not give up on the run. But then it almost seems like they're being stubborn the opposite way because then you're down there on the goal line and, you know, I mean, they barely get in. They only got in and they only really got any rushing yards uh, off of normal rushes because of David Montgomery. You know, you saw when Mike Davis got the ball, who's not nearly as shifty and elusive. He's, he, I mean, he ran for like, he had like five carries for less than one yard. So I, I don't know. I mean, and it's just really frustrating to hear that we don't know what our offensive identity is. Like, what? I'm pretty sure the Chiefs know what their offensive identity is. I'm pretty sure that the Lions know. We know the Packers know, even though they have a whole new offensive. Like, I don't get that. Like, that's that's bizarre to me to say that because it's not what we heard coming out of camp. And and guess what? If you don't know your offensive identity, you probably should be playing in the preseason. Maybe. That, you know, it's like – I, I know we're healthy and, and we're looking at a season where all these quarterbacks are injured, but they didn't get injured in the preseason. They got injured in the regular season. So I, I just look at this team and I'm like this, we're, we're watching the preseason right now. And it's, it's brutal. <laughs> like, thank God the defense, thank God the defense is great, but you know, they, we almost killed them in Denver, you know, to the point where Nagy had to call a timeout because he looked to his left and was like, wait, Khalil Mack is is off the field. <laughs> like, what what's going on? And yeah. he even had, went over to Pagano and was like, "Is this supposed to be happening?" And and you know, he's like, "Oh crap, nope, timeout." So it you know, it's uh, I mean, thank God we won that game and it was exciting. And I, I'm not a person that's gonna sit here and 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 you know say that's a bad win because every win in the National Football League is is good. But the progress that we made. As an offense, it's just like, wow. Like, you know, and, and my thing is, it's like we don't have to become, you know, a, a, some kind of offensive juggernaut. I never thought Mitch was going to was gonna take this amazing leap this year. All we have to do is figure out a way to score 20 points a game and not turn the ball over and have some long drives and convert on third down. And this team can win 10, 11 games 
and who knows where they can go if they just do that. But that feels like a real long shot right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I want to go back to the last two drives of the uh, of the game, and the last drive that Denver had that uh, scored the touchdown. Eerily familiar to the very first game last year. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, no, I'm not. That's not popping into my head. Okay. So Denver, Denver got the ball and threw the ball to the right about uh, five yards downfield. And it hit right between the nine and the four of Leonard Floyd. And he dropped the ball, which is exactly what happened on the drive that lost the game to Green Bay in week one, where Fuller had the ball right between the two and three, could have walked in for a pick six to end that game. And ultimately, you know, Green Bay scored in, in this particular case. Ultimately, Denver scored. And what a chain of events at the end of that game. They, you know, they scored the touchdown, and, and I got to tell you, as as much as Flacco gets blasted, that touchdown pass that he threw to Sanders was just absolutely a perfect throw. He couldn't have put it any better. Uh, Fuller was all over the receiver, but he was, you know, he was trailing him, and he just couldn't couldn't jump up to catch uh, to try to bat the ball down. And it was just a perfect throw in a, in a touchdown. So they decided to go for two points. And Nagy even admitted this at, at postgame, or at least the day after. Uh, they didn't quite know the rules, and I don't think anybody quite knew what the rules were, because I sure as hell didn't. So they go for they go for a two-point conversion, and they get a penalty, and I can't remember if it was a false start or a delay of game. I think it was a delay of game. So now they decide that they want to kick the field goal to force overtime. So the ball goes back to where they have to place the the kick uh, for the extra point and mark it off five yards from there. So they line up, and Buster Screen uh, just jumps the snap by a little bit, and he's he's easily offside. So now Denver has the decision— of what to do. They can they can either take the five-yard penalty and, and re-kick, or they can move the ball back to the two-yard line and take the penalty half the distance to the goal and try for two, which is, of course, exactly what they did. And uh, just another great move by the receiver, and Kyle Fuller was, was just toast. And he got picked on in that last drive a lot. And, and, and sadly, uh, Almost every pass thrown his direction got caught uh, in the game. So, uh, so here we are. We're now down by a point going into the last 30 seconds. There's 31 seconds left on the clock, and we got a break. We got a break when Trubisky threw the ball and he got uh, penalized. The, the Denver got penalized for roughing the passer. And on first thought. I thought, man, we caught a we caught a lucky break because, you know, he's in the act of throwing the ball when he gets hit by wasn't it Chubb I believe that hit him, and 
the one thing that they, they protect against, they being the officials, is defenders landing their body weight flush into the quarterback as they're bringing him down, and that's exactly what happened. Chubb just buried his chest into Trubisky as they hit the ground, and that's what they called. And we got the break, but now it's it's fourth down and 15, and there's nine seconds left, and I'm like, this is over. There's there's no way. And uh, my wife is actually watching the game with me, and she got up. She left. She, she went to go take the dogs out to do their thing, and she comes back in, and by that time, the game is over, and I'm cl- I had cleaned up the my man cave, gone back upstairs to watch uh, the rest of the uh, evening in our den, and I go, oh, by the way, you're not going to believe this, but the Bears won the game. And she's like, you're kidding! <laughs> and she's a Packer fan. So it was even funnier that she had the reaction that, that she did, but that last pass that Trubisky threw that's the Trubisky we need to see for 60 minutes because he was able to improvise. He was able to get out of the pocket. He was able to find an open receiver. Guess where? In the middle of the field. And that's where with zone defenses that they're being faced with, that's where the open spot is. You've got to find him between the seams and you've got to find him in the middle of the field because they're protecting at the numbers, that's where he wants to throw the ball all the time, it seems. But the middle of the field is open. And when you only have a total of, what, three, four, five, you have six passes to your tight ends. I'm sorry. You have nine of your attempts were to tight ends, but hardly any of them were in the middle of the field. Trey Burton's were to the outside. Shaheen's were to the outside. Broniker had a couple that were towards the inside. But when you have when you have two catches for 24 yards, three catches for 24 yards, two catches for seven yards, one catch for six yards, two catches for five yards, and one catch for two yards, that's your receiving core outside of Robinson, who had four catches. He had three receptions for 16 yards going into that very last play that was the 25-yarder. So they're not opening up any holes. They're not, they're not dictating to the defense where they're going to put the ball, and that's what's killing Trubisky's passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about what they're doing, you know, in terms of that. Um, I will say that one bright spot was that Shaheen actually looked like a football player. Um, so that was kind of nice. He had some, a nice run after catch and first down. Um, you know, again, it was on the outside. I'd like to see Shaheen running up the up the seam and running a slant. I mean, there's no reason that Shaheen shouldn't be able to do the same type of routes that Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham do, which is basically they're bigger than their man and they get in front of them and they run a damn slant and Trubisky puts the ball where only the six foot six guy can get it. It's not complicated, but we make it complicated because, you know, everything's got to have 14 bells and whistles and motion and all this crap on it. The other thing that I think was, was um, frustrating and odd about the end of the game. 
um, was that Sherrick McManus was a healthy scratch for some reason in this game, and he should have been in the game for uh, Buster Screen. That that Buster Screen almost cost them that game, uh, you know, with that penalty. And, I mean, he admitted as much after the game, but if if we don't get lucky and, you know, they – you know, they they end up making that kick and all and everything that happens afterward. We're talking about Buster Screen blowing the game. Why isn't Sherrick McManus in there? Well, and the other thing that happened too was when Amukamara got hurt briefly. We had to go to Duke Shelley, and it would have normally been uh, McManus. So that was odd. I, I I nobody's really given much more information on why McManus uh, didn't play. Nagy said something about them wanting more tight ends. Um, active and it just became a numbers game and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, I like a game you know is going to be close. You need special teams. You're going to have a healthy scratch on one of your most talented players. And, and what you said about Fuller is 100% true. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, abused him for most of the day. And he did get the interception, um, which was nice, but. He, you know, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, I don't even remember when they had the joint practice against the Broncos um, last year, uh, you know, was was abusing Fuller during that. And, you know, he, I mean, he continued to. And, and Corton Sutton looked looked pretty good. Um, you know, it it's uh, – we were fortunate. I mean, I think the defense obviously played about as well as you can expect them to play in the conditions – uh, but we were very fortunate, and and the the most unfortunate part of everything is that I don't think we have come any closer to knowing anything about what this offense can or should be doing at this point. And I don't like it, it's it's bizarre to me that that's happening. Like it just it makes no sense, and it certainly does not do anything to support Nagy's theory that they shouldn't play in the preseason. So it's rough. We're going to be talking about the veterans playing in the preseason all year, I'm afraid. And it's uh, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but they have laid it at our feet and all of our feet. <laughs> yep. all, all of Bears Twitter is going to be harping on playing. And it, you know what? Nagy's not going to change his stripes on this. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that he's going to keep his starters out of the preseason because he wants them healthy at all costs. I can understand that they're practicing, but I don't care how much you practice. It's not the same under live fire. Well, they're not practicing okay. enough. I mean, they've, they've, they've limited the practices so much. Like they barely, they don't have two a days. They barely have any practices. And then you're gonna, you know, take away. I mean, I'm not saying that they need to play the whole game ever, but they should have, a, a, they should have a couple of series. And when you do something like, I don't know, introduce an entire new running back core, and then you move your rookie, uh, you know, or second year guard over to center, maybe, just maybe, they should be in there. You know, and I think the league is going to have to do something, uh, you know, because, the you know, people talk about the preseason getting eliminated. Well, they're not going to eliminate all that revenue that they get from the preseason. So they're going to have to figure out something. And maybe it's, you know, they play the preseason, but the quarterback has a red shirt on. 
you know, or something, you know, so that it's more like a scrimmage um, so that so that teams can feel more comfortable to play, uh, you know, these the, to play their guys. I mean, everybody in the league is experiencing this. You know, most of the offenses, you know, that don't have Patrick Mahomes look pretty rough right now. I and mean, Tony Dungy was saying, you know, that basically the first four weeks of the season are now the preseason because of the way a lot of these teams are handling it. Uh, but you notice, you know, like Tom Brady played in the preseason. I mean, it's, it's hard to compare everybody to the gold standard, I suppose. But, I mean, he looks just fine, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and they can bring in Antonio Brown on basically no practice, and he looks like, you know, he's been on the team for a year already. So it, it's – I don't know. It, I think it was arrogance. Uh, there was a lot of arrogance. That's what I'm seeing right now is that the as much as they said that they weren't, the, the Bears are were very much reading their own clippings and smelling their own brand and, you know um, – it's 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 very obvious that they thought on offense that they were a lot better than they are and they look and and it's just it's just obvious their team spent eight months figuring out Nagy and watching Mitch's tendencies and we had a perfect storm of going up against two teams that knew us really well and this is what you get you know we look anemic yeah, absolutely. But hopefully we can get well against against the a Redskin defense that has mm-hmm. been pretty porous so far. Um, before we move on to what we are hoping to see against Washington, again, I just wanted to to thank everybody who sent in their entries for the free tickets for the the Vikings game on September 29th. Carolyn Maserkowitz. Uh, was the winner of our our, our tickets. Uh, she has been notified, and I asked her to not talk about it on Twitter until we could get the podcast up and up and out. So once that happens, we'll also throw it up on our our Twitter account at Halitech Hall. Uh, and congratulations again to Carolyn. Those tickets, of course, were provided by TickSplits.com. Please note that you can buy any tickets for anything, whether it's sporting events, concerts, sporting events, I'm sorry, guys, uh, sporting events, concerts, Broadway shows, uh, music festivals. uh, And when we're talking sporting events, we're even talking uh, ultimate fighting championships and pro wrestling, uh, NASCAR, indie racing. Guys, it's all there. There's $6 billion of ticket inventory at TickSplits.com. And the best, one of the best parts about TickSplits is their search engine is lightning fast. In fact, you can find any NFL ticket in as little as two mouse clicks on your computer and two taps on on, on your iPads or phones. That's how quick and easy it is to find your tickets. And then when you find your tickets and you put them in your, your inbox or your, uh, uh, your cart, you don't get stuck with service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. So thanks again to TickSplits.com for furnishing. We have now given away four games. We gave away two tickets for each preseason game, and we've given away tickets for the, the, the Minnesota game. And we gave away tickets to the game in November when Detroit's in town on uh, on Veterans 
Day weekend. So again, thank you so much to TickSplits.com. Aaron, it's we're going to be playing Washington. It's a Monday night game, and if there was ever a recipe for getting well offensively, it's really got to be this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this game, um, you know, is definitely a great opportunity to to get a win, to figure some things out. I mean, I think that Washington um, is not a fantastic team, um, but they can put up some points. And, uh, you know, the, but the defense is certainly, um, you know, proven to to be, uh, you know, that, that it can be beaten. I mean, they, they haven't looked good in the two games they've played. Um, they're, you know, they're missing players on defense you know they basically um just have a couple guys um you know uh, kerrigan uh being one of them and uh josh norman is still around but he's kind of a he's not as good as he used to be and he's kind of alone in that defensive backfield so you know this is definitely a, a good chance to get right uh they're they're bad on monday night uh historically are the redskins um so we'll see what something's got to give i mean mitch is been bad in primetime games. They've been bad on Monday night. You know, it's uh, something's got to give. I, I think it's a good opportunity f- to uh, for for the offense to show up. Uh, last year it was week four against Tampa when they kind of came uh, around and clicked, and maybe this will be uh, the week that they get it done. Well, let's absolutely hope so. So let's talk about how bad – Washington's defense has been through two weeks. Uh, They're not quite Miami bad, but only Miami and the Arizona Cardinals have allowed more yards per game than Washington has. Washington is allowing 455 yards per game, 287 yards per game, passing another 168 yards per game, rushing. So it's kind of pick your poison and get them, get them both on track. Uh, they have allowed, they being the Redskins, have allowed three pass plays of over 50 yards. They've allowed a 42-yard run, and they've just absolutely been porous. And their offense uh, hasn't been great as well. So I think we need to see a lot of Montgomery. I think we need to see a lot of Anthony Miller. I think we need to see Javon Wims. Uh, in the middle of the field. And then now that Trey Burton got some action under his feet, I think we need to see him doing some seam work against the Washington Redskins defense. Uh, Defensively, the Bears are just stout, and there's no reason to suspect that they can be anything else but productive against Washington. Uh, The Bears only have one turnover so far this year. They obviously should have had a second turnover when when Leonard Floyd dropped that interception. They actually could have had a third one early in the Green Bay game when, uh, I believe it was Trevathan, uh, in the very first quarter, dropped an interception on a a pass that was actually deflected off the foot of the, the Packers receiver. Uh, and I think his, his eyes got as big as saucers, and he just didn't get a chance to wrap up on the ball because he was only 10 yards from the goal line. So there's there's three interceptions that we should have had. The, the interception that that uh, 
Kyle Fuller made against Washington was absolutely a phenomenal play. Uh, there have been a lot of people on Twitter harping about whether or not his knee was down on that interception. But when Fuller's knee either hit the ground or got close to the ground, it's a moot point. There's no point in challenging that play because the official blew the play dead. So we easily could have three interceptions so far this year. We only have one. Uh, and I think this is a time where the defense really needs to focus on taking the ball away from Washington. If we can shorten up the field for Mitch, uh, and if we can hit a couple of passes, even if they're not 50 yards downfield, and, and is you know, three 50-yard passes so far that Washington has allowed, even if it's in that mid-range of 15 to 25 yards, like the pass play to Allen Robinson to end last week's game, that's going to start opening up things even more for this offense. I think that, as Aaron had mentioned, if we can do some, some stretch plays, uh, some zone blocking at the line of scrimmage, and let Montgomery pick a hole and exploit it, I think you're going to see some, some definite uh, improvement in our running game on Monday night as well. So, Aaron, what are your thoughts about the game coming up Monday? Uh, well, I think that the defense, as you just said, is, is uh, it needs to take it away, and I think they're due to take it away. They've been really close, as you just mentioned, um, to having turnovers, and I think this is the week that they're going to come. Um, I don't see their pack, the, the, excuse me, the Redskins offensive line being able to stop uh, our pass rush. Um, I look for Khalil Mack to um, <clears throat> be able to get to Keenum. Um, they've got to look out for uh, McLaurin, uh, the Redskins receiver, who's had a, a big um, couple of games. Uh, he's He's been uh, very active. They've had some good deep passes to him. Um, <clears throat> and other than that, they don't have a lot on offense. I mean, they got an old Adrian Peterson, and they have um, an old Vernon Davis, uh, Jordan Reed's out. Um, you know, they don't have much else uh, to, to, to go with, but, but Keenum is not a bad quarterback. I mean, I still don't understand why the Vikings uh, were so quick to just get rid of him and bring in uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, honestly, I think they did, uh, did everybody in the NFC North a favor because Keenum not only was a, was a good leader, um, and somebody that the, that the players really rallied behind, uh, you know, he took them to the NFC championship game. It certainly wasn't his fault that they lost. And, and then you go and you, you know, spend all this money on, on Kirk cousins, who is, uh, one of the few quarterbacks that actually looks worse than Trubisky <laughs> his cousins. Um, and he's making, you know, he's $84 million guaranteed. So, uh, you know, this this should be uh, an opportunity for the Bears to really uh, do what they do. You know, I want to see some touchdowns and I want to see the defense getting turnovers. And I believe that the defense is going to probably uh, is going to score. Um, I look for, you know, uh, Eddie Jackson or Haha to to get a maybe a pick six or a, a fumble recovery um, and score or Roquan. I mean, all those guys have played fantastic. Haha ha has looked really good. Eddie Jackson uh, has looked good. Hasn't gotten the interceptions, but has been close. And he's been hitting, uh, which surprised me. He had some big hits in the Denver game. He had one that I felt like if he didn't go for the big hit and he played the ball, he might have gotten an interception. But 
you know, I mean, you can't, you know, can't nitpick um, too much on what he's been doing because he's been playing great. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they're favored by four on the road, uh, which historically Nagy's done pretty well when they're favored. Um, and, uh, you know, it's – but historically, as, you, as I'm sure we'll get to, the Bears versus the Redskins uh, of late has not been particularly uh, good for the Bears. So, um, you know, it's, it's a game where there's a lot of things you say should go a certain way and – and we'll see what happens. I mean, anything can happen when those bright lights come on on a, on a Monday night. And, and here we are with the Bears on the national stage again. One of the things that Nagy talked about in the, in the preseason leading up to uh, this year's schedule was uh, we played well enough last year to get these primetime games. And now we have to play those games and talk about man i gotta i gotta tell you uh last year and historically it seems like for the longest time the bears have seemingly played well against good teams and played down to the competition of lesser teams and that's exactly what can't happen this monday night against washington washington is definitely the inferior team but they're an nfl team and you know any given game obviously it's not a sunday so we can't use the any given sunday line but anytime two teams get between the lines anything can happen we've we've seen games where games have been turned by a couple of uh, bounces of a ball got tipped and got intercepted or you know a fumble or a bad call by an official uh it's just you never know what happens, but you, if you put yourself in that position and it comes down to a last-second kick, you've earned it. I want to see the Bears take control of this game early. I want to see the Bears win the coin toss and not defer and run the ball right down the Washington Redskins' throat. Uh, personally, uh, I am just not a fan of deferring and putting the defense on the field first. Historically, last year when Fangio was a member of, was our defensive coordinator, we gave up a ton of yards on those first drives. So we automatically put ourselves behind the eight ball. How many times did you have a touchdown scored against you? How many times did you have a field goal scored against you? So before the defense I'm sorry, before the offense ever made it to the field, they're behind. I want to see the Bears jump ahead, and I want to see them. I guess I would love to see Washington take uh, win the coin toss and defer so the Bears have to take the field first and just let Trubisky do Trubisky things because he obviously has the talent. We've seen it in bits and pieces for the last two years. If we see the Trubisky that threw that pass to Allen Robinson to end that game, we're going to be fine. What I don't like to see is we have seen over the last couple of days, we have seen talk about, hey, let's trade for Eli Manning. Hey, Colin Kaepernick has been contacted by Chicago or Kaepernick's agent has contacted Chicago 
and they're thinking about bringing him in for a workout. Those quarterbacks aren't going to come to Chicago. First of all, Eli Manning uh, will not waive his, his no-trade clause in his contract, so he's not going anywhere. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, he's going to get booed out of town unless he lights it up like he did his rookie year. So he's not going to sign for the type of money the Bears would be willing to offer him anyway. So let's just stop talking about that. We need Mitch Trubisky to do Mitch Trubisky things that we have seen. We've seen it against Detroit. We've seen it against Tampa. We saw it in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia, and we saw it in overtime this past week. That's the Trubisky we need to see, and the Bears need to really shine defensively, and they need to win this game by two touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this this is uh, it's time for them to win a game they're supposed to win. Um, you know, I don't know. If, you know, I mean, a lot of people said they were supposed to win the first game, which you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, you know, I, I personally don't believe that the Bears could ever sit here and say they're supposed to beat Aaron Rodgers because it's just not something that historically <laughs> they do. Uh, and then, I mean, in you know, we talked about it before beating the Packers, but this this is a game you have to have. You know, you don't want to be going. Um, you just, I mean, you just you need to win these games. The schedule gets harder and harder. And I know Drew, Drew Brees got hurt, um, so on and so forth. You know, and yeah, I mean, you talked about all the craziness with the quarterbacks and this, that, and the other. I mean, none of that's none of that's going to happen. They're sticking with Trubisky. Um, you know, they're they're not going to make any moves. Um, you know, anytime soon. I would expect that they pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, but if he doesn't have a better season, I don't look at them, you know, extending him or anything like that um, at this point. But you know, they're they're all in on this kid. Uh, Pace is in uh, is all in on him. Nagy's all in on him. You know, so it's up to him to figure it out. I just hope that you know they they start playing to his strengths. Let the kid play football. Use his athleticism. He, he, thinking right now is not his his best asset. And what he's doing is he's thinking. Clearly, you can just see his thoughts happening in front of him, and it doesn't look good. And and when he thinks. He gets in trouble and he's late and he throws bad passes. And when he doesn't think he looks like a football player and he runs around and he makes throws. And that's what you see at the end of games when he becomes a different player. So, you know, uh, he needs to stop thinking, you know, and, and um, that, that hopefully that'll work out. Absolutely, Aaron. We're going to pause for a minute to uh, let our sponsor, Tick Splits, tell you what they do. And when we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about Bears history, which is the rivalry between the Redskins. So we'll be we'll be right back after this message from TickSplits.com. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TickSplits.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TickSplits.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TickSplits.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TickSplits.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue everywhere all right we are back thanks so much again to ticksplits.com uh 
Go to ChicksBliss.com for all your ticket needs. Remember, there are no service fees. What the price you see is the price you pay. And you can use the promo code TAILGATE, all caps, TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, to get 5% off your order. And uh, welcome back, Mr. Halitech. Let's get to our history portion of the show, which is uh, something we always do on Halitech Hall. You won't find history segments like this on anywhere in any Bears podcast uh, in Bears Twitter. So we're, we're very proud of our history segments. And, of course, what a better time to talk about Bears-Washington rivalry. It was actually a great rivalry back in the first part of you know the, the pre-Super Bowl era. Uh, and there was quite a rivalry there. And then of later times when the division play started, they, uh, they haven't played as, as often as they did before, but it seemed like they almost played every year back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, they've played 40. Uh, they have played 43 times uh, in the regular season. And Washington leads the series 22-20, and there was one tie, which was the very first game they ever played. The season, or the, the rivalry dates all the way back to 1932. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, the first game ended in a tie. Uh, in 1937, the, the Bears in Washington played the first of four NFC title games. The last was in 1943. Each team has won two championship games against each other, but uh, one of the, uh, well, in fact, it is the most lopsided championship game in the history of the NFL occurred when the Bears played Washington in Washington at the end of the 1940 season. They had played each other uh, a few weeks prior to this, and Washington actually beat the Bears, and there was a lot of talk about the Bears quitting and the Bears were soft. And and one thing that George Hallis was uh, always, always smart about was uh, hanging stuff in the locker room. And he kept on reminding his players about all the comments that Redskins were making and the, what the press was making on how soft this team was. And the very first time the Bears got the ball, uh, Bears running back Bill Osmanski took a, a pitch uh, around left end and ran 68 yards for a touchdown, and that started the onslaught. The Bears were up 21 to nothing by the end of the first quarter uh, on three rushing touchdowns, one by Bill Osmanski, one by J- Joe Maniachi, uh, who I'm not too familiar with, but that was a 42-yard run. And Sid Luckman uh, took the ball from the one-yard line in to make the score 21 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Uh, the Bears only uh, only scored one touchdown in the second quarter, and that was the only touchdown pass of the game when Ken Cavanaugh uh, got a 30-yard pass reception from Sid Luckman. So the halftime score was was 28 to nothing. Uh, but at halftime, George Hallis kept on hammering them about how Washington said they were soft, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> In the third quarter alone, the Bears scored. Uh, they scored a touchdown on an interception return. 
they actually had three interception returns for touchdowns in the third quarter alone. And then when you cap that off with a, a 23-yard uh, uh, rushing touchdown from Ray Nolting, it was 54 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. And then Bears weren't done. They went on to score three more touchdowns, a 44-yard rush from Harry Clark, a two-yard rush uh, uh, from a, a guy who I've never heard before until I looked up this game on Pro Football Reference, and I don't even know if I can say his name right. Gary Famula Giletti, uh, a two-yard rush. And then Harry Clark capped it off with a one-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to end the scoring. So they had seven rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, three pick sixes for touchdowns. So that that 1940 game was a microcosm of the entire Bears 1918 or 2018 season, how dominant they were running the ball and 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 defensively, and they had a pretty decent passing game. Uh, an interesting comment, a little footnote to this game, was when the Bears went up 48 to nothing. The officials actually asked the Bears to stop kicking extra points because they were running out of footballs. They didn't have 80 footballs for a championship game like they do nowadays. Uh, so they actually had to run the ball or pass the ball for the extra point. Of course, back then, uh, regardless of whether you kicked the ball or ran it in or passed it in, it was just a one-point conversion. So that's an interesting footnote that the Bears actually had to stop kicking extra points because they couldn't get the balls back out of the stands. So uh, interesting, interesting game. And then the uh, in the Super Bowl era, the the Packers, I'm sorry, the Redskins and the Bears have played uh, three times in the postseason twice in Chicago, once in Washington, and it happened in a span of three years or four years. They, they played in Washington in 1984, winning that game and shocked a lot of people, and that uh, put the Bears in the NFC title game, which they lost ultimately to the San Francisco 49ers. And then the year after the Super Bowl, and after the 86 season and the 87 season, Washington came to Chicago and beat the Bears both times. What was significant about the last time, January uh, 10th of 1988, uh, they won 21 to 17, but that uh, is more noted as that was the last game of Walter Payton's career. He never took the field thereafter. So recently, as I talked about before, uh, the Bears, and you alluded to earlier in the podcast, the Bears haven't fared too well against Washington. Washington has actually won their last seven meetings, and the Bears haven't won uh, since 2003, and they haven't won in Washington since 2001. Uh, 2001 was the year that the Jerron uh, team surprised everybody and finished 13-3. and and made it to the playoffs, and uh, what was significant about, we've talked about the 2001 uh, season a couple of times. Uh, you were at the Jacksonville game, that was the last regular season of the game, uh, and uh, of course that was the year of 9-11, the tragedy that took place then, but 
what a shock that we saw the Bears go from basically nothing in 2000, and all of a sudden here they are, 13 and three, and playing in the playoffs that quite frankly nobody uh, suspected. You know, there were cranes and all kinds of things waiting outside Soldier Field, and they basically started tearing down Soldier Field uh, minutes after that game was was over. But uh, let me ask you this, Aaron, before I get to my favorite game that I've ever been to against Washington, do you have a favorite game? With the Redskins and, and the Bears, I I don't necessarily. Um, I, I think a couple interesting things to note um, is in that 2001 season, um, you know, it's it's a good example of of how you know the Bears, uh, you know, have kind of operated for a long time, but how they can operate. I mean, if you look at that game, uh, which they won 20 to 15. Um, Jim Miller, 13 for 26 for 98 yards passing. Uh, you know, Marty Booker, seven catches for 74 yards. Um, you know, it, Anthony Thomas, 24 carries for 82 yards. You know, it's uh, it, we can, and this is a season, you know, that obviously they went 13 and three. So, you know, I know it's a different era of football. This is, you know, eight, 18 years ago, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, um, it just, just uh, I think it's a good reminder that we don't need to uh, necessarily, you know, have this, you know, uh, amazing quarterback. You know, I think everybody's caught up in this idea of what if we had Mahomes, what if we had Watson, yada, yada, yada. We don't need that. Um, you know, I, I think also what's what's interesting about this game is that Brad Maynard uh, threw a pass to Brian Erlacher, um, you know, for a touchdown on, on a, a fake punt. So um, that's, that, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, uh, I don't think Brian Urlacher caught too many touchdowns in his career, but might've been his only one. Um, but, you know, that, that was an exciting season, uh, you know, and I just, I want Bears fans to, to remember that we can get excited about more than if Mitch Trubisky does well or not. Um, you know, so I think that's, that game's a good example of that, you know, that, that unfortunately or fortunately, I know people are frustrated that the bears have never really had a, a top five type of quarterback franchise type of guy. Um, and we thought maybe we had one with him and we may still, but it's not painting out at this moment, but you know, let's not forget that, you know, we, this season still has a great chance to be very successful and a lot of exciting things are going on. And I think, you know, um, the, the game in Denver had one of the most exciting finishes you'll ever see in a football game ever. Um, and, and it ranks up there as one of the most exciting finishes of a bears game ever. And I think some people, it's like they were happy, but it, it only lasted for a second before they went right back to, you know, this Trubisky, uh, crusade that they've been on. And so, you know, I would just say like, let's, let's enjoy what's what we can enjoy and not worry so much about what we thought might happen and what, because, you know, every, this league is week to week and, you know, it, it, I mean, it really, really, you know, it can change week to week. So, you know, I mean, Drew Brees is hurt. Ben Roethlisberger's hurt. You know, uh, they're going to be, uh, Schefter tweeted today that um, this is the most uh, quarterbacks under the age of 25 or 26 to start since 1987. And that was a strike year. So, you know, that almost doesn't even count. 
Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the players, uh, you know, coming across the strike lines to play. So, you know, let's just enjoy the damn season and stop worrying about our fantasy stats of our quarterback. Um, you know, and especially if they're winning games, that's my fear is that, you know, I mean, like I said, I said this before that if that game that we just watched had been in soldier field, people would have been in their cars when, when, uh, Pinero kicked that ball, especially the way they acted at the Packer game. People would have left. And, you know, I mean, thank God <laughs> that that it wasn't. I mean, I think it was better for them to be on the road, aside from the heat and the and the, the air. You know, I think they needed to be on the road. And honestly, I, I'm glad they're on the road this week because I think that this our fan base is so mental right now that, you know, this kid Trubisky throws one incompletion and, and the whole crowd at Soldier Field would be booing him and then we're screwed. So, you know, we need to come back at, at, off a win. And, um, but, you know, just th- this type of things, you look at Bears history, we should be used to this. Low scoring, running the ball, defense, <laughs> you know, like, but all of a sudden we think that we're supposed to have this high powered offense and this quarterback, you know, and it'd be nice, but I mean, get over it. You know, we got a good team. We do. And I can't remember if this was on on the Chicago Tribune or on the Bears website, but they were talking about the top 10 best finishes in Bears history. And Eddie Pinero's kick is like number five already, which was interesting. And here's here's an interesting correlation. It kind of sums up what you've just been talking about, Aaron. One of those greatest games or finishes in Bears history was actually in that 2001 season when the Bears uh, beat Cleveland in overtime, 27 to 21. And this is absolutely, I was at that game, and this kind of sums up exactly what you're talking about today because half the crowd was in their cars when that Cleveland game ended. The Bears were trailing 21 to 7 at the two-minute warning. And their their quarterback, it was a terrible game. And, and the the score, the game wasn't as close as the score would indicate. And they're down by two touchdowns. And somehow they they scored a touchdown with less than a minute left. They 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 recovered an onside kick. They hit a Hail Mary at the last play of the game. And the game went to overtime. And then the ball got deflected off the hands of Tim Couch. Uh, and it went right to the, into the hands of, of uh, Mike Brown, who ran it in for the, the second consecutive overtime pick six. That you, and you've never seen that. Half of the crowd was gone. I was there, I can tell you emphatically, because I was going to be one of those people that left. I was there with a buddy of mine who had never been to a game at Soldier Field, and I turned to him at the two-minute warning and said, hey, do you want to leave? And he goes, I go, your choice, because I've been to 100 games at Soldier Field. And the guy's name is Roy. And Roy looked at me and said, you know, let's stay and look what happened last week. So we stayed. And, of course, last week was the game against the 49ers that Mike Brown scored the pick six on in overtime on the first play from scrimmage. So, yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. The Bears sometimes play down to their competition, but this is a game, quite frankly, that they don't 
they can't they can ill afford to play down to the competition Monday night and end up uh, taking this game down and letting a bad bounce or a bad play or a lucky play uh, throw the game to the Washington Redskins. So uh, I hope the Bears do win by by two touchdowns. And as I had mentioned earlier, I I'm really hoping that Washington wins the toss and defers because I want to see the Bears just come out and dominate on offense from start to finish, at least in the first half. And then, you know, they kind of they kind of hold their horses back in the second half and let the defense win the finish the game for them. And I'm okay with that as long as it, the game doesn't get close. So hopefully we have a two-touchdown victory Monday night in Washington, and then it's off to Minnesota on the 29th where, Carolyn, you're going to be going to the game. I will promise, I promise I'm going to stop up and see you sometime during the game. Uh, we appreciate everybody who listens into the Halitech Hall. We hope you appreciate uh, our insights on the games that have been played and the games that are coming up. And we sincerely hope that you appreciate our little venture back into Bears history, especially in this 100th season of not only the NFL, but of the beloved Chicago Bears. With that, Aaron, I'm going to let you take us home. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening to another great episode. Thanks, Mr. Halitech, for all that you do in uh, doing the research and uh, bringing uh, these historical uh, things to light and talking about them. Um, you know, I, I think um, you you said uh, a great thing. Uh, you know, uh, you run the Halitech Hall Twitter, um, and I, I do the Tailgate Show Twitter, um, you know, and, and – um, you know, I, I said, you know, no matter where he was drafted, Mitch's 28 starts into his career and the team has surrounded him with more weapons than perhaps any other Bears quarterback ever. He should be playing better, period. Um, you know, and I then said, you know, that 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 Mitch, you know, unfortunately, the way he's played has lost the freedom to to have these 40 plus pass games, basically. And they did what they had to do to win the game in Denver. And you said they should they should do what they need to do to win every week. That said, Mitch is playing like he has the weight of the entire city of Chicago on his shoulders because, in fact, he does. And what what I hope is that after the game in Denver, it's the, the weight is spread. And I think as a fan base, we need to back off this guy a little bit um, because he's he's feeling it. He's a perfectionist. He's hearing it. He cares a lot. Um, and and it's it's not fair because it is a team game and and obviously and when you're the quarterback of the Bears you have entered into a dysfunctional relationship by nature you you have decided to to fall in love with uh, a, a team and a fan base that is is has been brutalized by quarterbacks um, you know basically for their entire existence, uh, except for a few brief moments of, of, of uh, good play. And so it's one of the most volatile relationships between a, you know, a star position and a fan base, I think, ever. Um, you know, and, and you see it play out. And now that fans have all these avenues to, to vent and, you know, and, and the, the media is reacting directly to them, it's, you know, it's even more intense. Um, and so what I hope is that now we have a, a functional kicker. We know we have a defense. 
we have a, we have a punter, um, you know, which is good. You know, we're starting to get a running game, so maybe the pressure can come off of Mitch a little bit, and maybe Nagy can realize that you know we we got to win games and we got to do what's necessary and we got to let this kid play football and stop worrying about you know running this fancy offense and and do all these you know kind of unnecessarily complicated things, you know, because at the end of the day, football is about beating the man in front of you more than it is about anything else. I mean, scheme's important, but that's what I hope is that, you know, we just have a game where, where, where all phases do well enough to win and we, we get another win and we move on and some of this other stuff starts to fade away. Um, you know, because it's, it, what it is, is it's, it, we're fixating on it and it's robbing us of the enjoyment of, of what else might be happening. Um, and so, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's just relax a little bit. And it is only the second game of the season and it's a long season. And, you know, as we've done before, remind, remind ourselves that this team was three and three after six games last year. And then they went and won nine out of their last 10. So, you know, it's, it's a long way from over. Uh, and, and we're going to be here the whole season, uh, bringing you uh, weekly updates on what's happened, looking ahead. And, of course, as we always do on Halitech Hall, looking back and looking at history. Uh, so thanks for listening. Please uh, follow us. Please spread the good word. And uh, please go to our sponsor, Tick Splits, as well. And, uh, Mr. Halitech, you have one more thing you'd like to add? Yeah, if, if I had the chance to look Mitch Trubisky in the eye, this is what I would tell him. Mitch, I've been a fan of the Bears since I was in diapers. So I have been a fan of the Bears since the early 60s. If one thing always rings true in Bears fans, the favorite person, the favorite player on the team seemingly has always been the backup quarterback. And that you could go back into history and look at that, Mitch. Mitch, we don't need you to be perfect. We don't need you to be Patrick Mahomes. We don't need you to be Aaron Rodgers. We don't need you to be Peyton Manning. What we need is for you to run the offense the way Mitch can run the offense and stop trying to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Stuff is going to happen. But your athleticism is what sets you apart from every single quarterback I have seen in my 62 years as a fan. You can throw the ball accurately. You can throw the ball on the run. You can run with the ball. You can show misdirection. You can do things at the line of scrimmage by getting the defenses to jump offside. We have seen all of that from you in the very few games that you've been the Bears quarterback. You are the quarterback of the franchise, the landmark, the benchmark franchise in the NFL. And it carries a heavy burden. And it looks like you have been playing with all of that weight on your shoulders over the past two weeks. Mitch, the fans love you. They want you to succeed. They're craving for you to succeed. And all you have to do is let the game flow. Stop trying to be perfect. Find your open receivers. Get to your first set of read quickly. If he's covered, get to your second or third reads like you did last year. 
I promise you, you've got an entire team behind you that is just dying for you to succeed. And you've got an entire city of Chicago. And beyond that, you have the entire Bears Nation waiting for you to just be you. That's what Coach Nagy talks about all the time. You see it on every game plan every week. He's got a little message on his card that says, be you. Mitch, be you. Don't try to be Patrick Mahomes. Don't try to be Aaron Rodgers. Just play the game and let the game come to you instead of you forcing the game. We love you. We want you to succeed. And we know in our hearts with all of the other talent that's on this team, both offensively, defensively, and on special teams, you can be in Miami celebrating George Hallis's birthday, the only right way that we should be celebrating George Hallis's birthday on the end of the 100th year of the NFL, and that's hoisting the trophy that should be in his name, and that's the Super Bowl trophy. With that, folks, have a wonderful weekend. We hope when we come back to you next week, we're talking about yet another Bears victory. I'm Mike Halitek on behalf of my partner, Aaron. Thank you so much for listening, and please spread the word because I have word from TickSplits that we're going to be giving away yet another pair of tickets here upcoming to a game in the second half of the year. Good night, everybody.